from St. Louis Public Radio. This is Politically Speaking. Back in 2018, Missouri voters passed a constitutional amendment that legalized the use of marijuana on a medical basis, with over 60% of voters approving it. Now another initiative petition effort, this time to legalize recreational marijuana use, could be on the November ballot, leaving state lawmakers to decide whether they should take action first. On this episode of Politically Speaking, Republican House Representative Ron Hicks joins the show to talk about his omnibus bill that not only legalizes marijuana use in Missouri, but tackles other issues surrounding the drug. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. We have to talk about things that matter to people. I've tried to bring that same aggressive iconoclast style with me to uh, the United States Senate. I think my district is a model for the state. We put Missourians first. You just kind of have to find the common ground with people. I believe that this district deserves someone who represents their values. After I came back to St. Louis, I started thinking that I could have a bigger role on the change that I wanted to make. Welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, State House and Politics reporter Sarah Kellogg. Joining me in the Jefferson City studio, he is the Missouri House Representative for the 102nd District, which consists part of St. Charles County. I am Representative Ron Hicks. Thank you for joining me on the show, Representative. Before we get started, I'd love if you told our listeners about your district, where it covers, and, and who you represent. Well, I cover the 102nd District. It uh, represents Defiance, New Melly. Um, Dardeen Prairie, little pieces of O'Fallon, and a little piece of Weldon Springs. It kind of runs along the 94 corridor there along the river's edge on the uh, western side of St. Charles and goes out into the wine country. Beautiful rolling hills area. I've been there a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, it, you know, it's your first time on the show. It only took, you know, the last year of house career, right? <laughs> yeah, really. It's only, you know, eight years coming. Yeah, so, so tell me about yourself. What drove you to politics in the Missouri House? Well, actually, it was just one evening, you know. It was in 2012, and with politics, the way they were going on with the new uh, president election and all this stuff, I was just sitting there, and I was kind of complaining at the television, and my wife jumped in and said, well, why don't you go do something about it? And well, I'd happened to have some friends in the political realm with uh, Tim Jones and a couple others. And, well, I went and spoke with them. And about a year later, I was running for office and got elected. 2000, I ran in 2000, uh, started running my election in 2012 and actually got elected in 2013. So I spent four years in the House at that time. But then I actually uh, left the body for one session, the 99th General Assembly I sat out. Um, you know, this is a, a trying place and it, it can wear on you and wear on your family and everything. And that's exactly what happened in 2016. You know, this was a whole new uh, realm for our family. So coming up to Jeff City was a hard thing to adjust to. And four years later, I guess I really hadn't adjusted properly to it. And uh, my wife uh, kind of gave me a phone call and let me know about that. So I decided at that time it was probably best to just go home and make sure that the family was happy and everything was going okay there. And then luckily enough, uh, the gentleman that uh, held the seat where we were living in the 102nd District, which was uh, State Representative Kurt Barr, termed out. And then, of course, he asked me if I wouldn't mind running for his seat and then a couple others. And then a good friend of mine, Elijah Haar, Speaker of the House, had called and asked. And, well, it's kind of hard to start turning down things and all your friends want you to come back. So I spoke with my wife on the issue. And, well, here I am. I'm in my last, my last year. So, yeah, you served, you know, and you're in, you're in your last year. Do you have moments of reflection and things that you're still wanting to do or things that you're really proud that you've done? Uh, I'm, I'm actually pretty proud of this whole job. This this is an amazing thing to, to have people elect you for one to come up and be their voice and to be able to 
be given the opportunity to do the things I've done. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm really proud of is being able to work on the juvenile justice side of things, criminal justice reform. Um, at CPR, for example, um, one, one night or one afternoon, uh, we had an unfortunate situation outside the rotunda and a young lady had gone to the ground and her heart had stopped beating and she lost consciousness and everything and I was able to perform CPR on her and bring her back. And so I always say that if there was anything that I was brought up here to do, I, I would have to say that's the one most important thing for me. Um, it's it's just it's one of those those feelings that uh, you can't even explain when you when you see the light come back in someone's eyes. But um, so the CPR legislation that I passed the following uh, year, I started working on some CPR legislation, and we finally got that passed. And so what it did it was create a uh, in school in high school, and it created a class to where you take a 30-minute uh, class in health or in physical education, whichever. I think they decided to do it in health. You take a 30-minute class on CPR. You're not certified or anything for it. You're just taking a class so that you have some knowledge of what's happening. And I think that was a pretty a, a good staple in my career there, to be able to do something like that could help save lives in the future. So, you know, with this last year, what are some things, general, we'll get more specific, but what are some things, you know, you're still wanting to accomplish? Oh, there's still a lot, of course, I'd like to accomplish. There's a, there's a loophole in the domestic violence side of things. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen that uh, that hole closed up a little bit and fixed that in 2016. We inadvertently removed the federal language from uh, some legislation um, when it came to our concealed carry permits. And don't get me wrong, I'm a 100% gun-loving individual. I'm one of the highest-ranking members of, from the NRA in this body, actually, in this building. And so what I was just trying to do there is to help protect some of the innocents and some of the abused. And uh, this year it seemed the, it, it got muddied in the water with some of the language, the way it was written, and it uh, kind of made it into a red flag bill. So, of course, I had to hold on to it and not do anything with that legislation. Um, been talking with the NRA, though, on getting some new legislation going, and we'll see where that leads. And maybe I can get either someone else to uh, handle this in the future and close that loophole. But... Other than that, right now, I just, I'm just i really focusing on some criminal justice reform things. And uh, one pretty big issue that has hit the, hit the uh, radio waves and the news here in the last couple of weeks, and that is my Cannabis Freedom Act, which would um, legalize the use of cannabis in the state of Missouri and the adult use of 21 years and older. So that one seems to be taking off pretty good and getting a lot of attention. But um, that's not my main goal in life as far as that goes. You know, I still just want to go home and be a, a good father and a good husband to my family and that's pretty much it as far as that goes. But Yeah, we're, we're definitely going to get into uh, the cannabis bills that you've filed <laughs> so far. But also with that loophole, so does that mean that that bill more or less isn't likely to pass? You don't think it's going to get attached to anything? I don't think the way it sits right now. Now, I do have uh, the language coming from the NRA, and if I can get that in in time to research, I'll have research go ahead and redo the bill itself and see if we can't move it. Um, with this, at the rate it's going right now with everything and the timing we have in, in Jeff City, I'm not so sure... With timing, if I can get that in, get it through committees, but I think I can get it in and get it heard. And if anything, then like I say, I try to find someone to carry that next year. All right. So how do you feel that session is going so far? You know, we're, we're two months in more or less. It's actually kind of disappointing. Um, every year that I've been in the legislature, there's always something that happens. It's a shocker, of course. And um, well, this year we're dealing with the 7-1 map over there in the Senate. We're dealing with redistricting and stuff like that. And so that that is dampered, actually, legislati legislation, period. I mean, the House can do what we can do. You know, we're still working. We're going through business like normal. We're having our committee hearings. We're having session. And 
we're having our debates and everything and we're passing legislation but the problem is is the legislation is going to stay on our side of the building until the senate is done with their with their uh, filibusters and everything they've got going on with the 7-1 maps do you feel like more should have been accomplished by now Oh, yeah, definitely, um, especially with the way we came into the body this year. I mean, we came in with uh, wheels on the ground. I mean, we were going from the start. Um, usually, you know, there's two, three weeks of some real slow time, and uh, I'd even mentioned it to a couple of friends up here, how we can go out to my property that's close by and do some shooting, some hiking, whatever we want to do, and we haven't had a chance to do any of that. And so we've been we've been really busy, so I can only imagine if, if the Senate was – was not blocked up and, and, and going to work and doing what they're supposed to do. I'm pretty sure. Well, I don't know if I should say that, but <laughs> well, I guess I can. They're, they're pointing a finger over at us. So, But um, I guess if the Senate was really doing their job over there and had finished up with the, the map issue, I, I think a lot of things would be moving. And it would have been one of, uh, I think it would have been a record year, actually, the way we were started so early and had things going. But now we just have to hope and pray that we can get this done over in the Senate with the map issue and get the state what they need. What do you think kind of needs to happen with the Senate to get things moving? Well, I, I myself personally think you just got a couple of people with their, their britches pulled up a little higher than the other. And I think it's kind of just become a puff your chest out type match over there. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I can't speak too much on it because I've tried to ignore it, to be honest with you. Um, it created a little bit of a riff in my district. And, of course, with me, with the senators pointing, you know, a few senators from my area pointing their finger at us and calling us rhinos and things like that, that it's, it, 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 it's created some rough waters, actually. And, and that's kind of disappointing, too, though, when you have your own senators over there doing things like that. But you know what? This is politics, and, and it's never easy, and it's going to, you know, it, it, it'll break. The dam will break. They'll, they'll work things out. It'll get done. It happens every year. It's just, unfortunately, there's going to be less things to do, which sometimes, I guess, in Missouri, I think a lot of the voters would say the least we do, the better off they are. So I'm okay with that. Uh, on the topic of redistricting, you were one of the House reps on the floor to offer an amendment to the House passed redistricting map that sits now in the Senate. And that map was defeated. Um, just around 20 members voted for it. You know, why did you introduce it? What motivated you to make this map? Yeah, I actually think we had 23 members vote for the map. I think I was a 23rd, of course. Um, it was a 7-1 map. Of course, that's what you're hearing about a lot over in the Senate is they want a 7-1 map. But obviously, my 7-1 map wasn't the one they wanted. And it definitely wasn't the one the body in the House wanted with only 23 votes. But inadvertently even drew my senator, uh, well, not my senator, but Senator Bill Eigel out of his district over there. But, you know, I do have to give him credit for one thing. And uh, that is that when I told him what I had inadvertently done, he said, that's all right, 7-1 map. I would have voted for it. And so I was kind of shocked to hear that he'd have voted to, you know, take himself out of his district. But... I don't know if it would have happened or not, but we didn't have to worry about that. Uh, the 7-1 seven, the map issue is, it needs to go away, in my opinion. I, I think the body did what they could on the House side to send them the map that we could, the 6-2. If they can further it and send it over, we'll wait and see what happens here, but I'm not so sure on that. Uh, my map was uh, voted down, and then people started telling me I didn't even vote for a 7-1 map and stuff because of some of the rift that started happening over in the Senate when they received a 6-2 map. And so that was what I reverted to earlier when I said, you know, some of the name calling and finger pointing and all that happened. Uh, that was one of the things that actually upset me the, the most about that is being called a rhino and not trying to promote a 7-1 map when I actually had a 7-1 map on the House floor. It was the map we voted on and it failed. But I mean, uh, Representative Nick Shore tried his map, and of course it was ruled point of order, and so we moved to mine. So I got to give him credit for trying his first. We went to mine, it failed, and then we go to the next best thing in the House, which was our 6-2 map that we had. And the body seemed to agree with that. We passed that map, and I 
I have no hard feelings over it at all. I mean, I went with the majority, 86 members went with the with that map, and that's what we passed, and that's what we sent over. Unlike other Republican members in the House, eventually you did vote for the 6-2 map where some of the other 7-1 you know, Republicans did not vote for it. Yes. They were a no vote. Why were you a yes, and kind of why did you kind of say, well, this is what the House wants, and, and, and you went with it? Well, I went with it. For one, that's our job to do over there. We take a piece of legislation and we push it as far as we can get it. Even my own legislation, I push it as far as I can get it. it, it get as much as I can out of it. Hang, hang it like a Christmas tree. Put lights on it. Do whatever you can. Get as much out of it as you can. Get the body to vote for it. And every now and then you start after watering things down. You've put too much on there. And so you have to start watering it down. And you water it down until you can get the votes. Well, we got 86 votes. I think if we had watered that 6-2 or that 7-1 down any further to, than a 6-2 map, I don't know if we would have gotten those 86 votes. Would we have even gotten 82 to pass a map? No. As it sits right now, we got 86 votes. Voted with the majority. We took a map, a 7-1 map. We tried to do what we could with it. The first one failed. We took a second second one map. Mine. It failed. So then the next best thing we had is a 6-2 map. The 6-2 map passed. And I, I, will, I will vote for legislation all day long. Just because I didn't get what I wanted doesn't mean I'm not going to give the state what they need. That's interesting that you say that. You know, that doesn't seem necessarily to be the case in the Senate right now with this no. idea of a 6271. And you said you kind of just want the issue to go away. You know, what do you think needs to needs to happen for this map to want, cross the Senate finish line. I want the issue to go away, but I also want it to go away fairly. You know, I want us to still do our job. I still want us to des to, to create a map that's fair for the state. And I, I really seriously feel that that 6-2 map was fair for the state. I mean, if we get a 7-1 map come over and we have a majority vote on it, we're going to vote for a 7-1 map. But is that fair to the state of Missouri? That's up to the body to figure out. And I'm, I'm waiting to see if we can. All right. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. And we're back on Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio's State House and Politics reporter, Sarah Kellogg. And our guest today is Republican Representative Ron Hicks, who represents the 102nd District, which includes part of St. Charles County. Let's get back into it. You have filed multiple bills uh, related to the legalization of marijuana on a recreational basis beyond the current legality of marijuana in the state, which is medical. Mm -hmm. um, let's kind of just do an overall breakdown of those bills, and then we can kind of get into the specifics. Okay. Well... I'd say one of the first ones that uh, we should probably talk about then would be my expungement legislation. And the reason I started the expungement legislation is because of the medical marijuana issue. Once we had medical marijuana pass in the state and we have cardholders that actually have a medical or a marijuana offense or something, you know, and, and I'm talking nonviolent criminal offenses, okay? No one's harmed, no one's hurt, you know, they may have been pulled over, had a, a bag of weed on them or something like that, as people like to say. But um, so. I decided that we would go with an expungement process. So if you had a medical marijuana card, but yet you had a nonviolent marijuana on your uh, criminal report or something, that you could have it expunged. Now in Missouri, you can automatically already have one, exp one expungement on, your, on you. But this would be different because this would be any, any criminal offense that you've had in this area. Not just one, but if you had three or four, you know, throughout your life and stuff. And, and one of the reasons I did that is because... Now that we are allowing them to medically treat themselves legally, but yet we had fined them and gave them trouble in the past for something that, that we're now saying is okay for them to do, 
as long as it was a non nonviolent criminal offense, I think that that's something that should be taken off of your record and you should be made whole so you can continue on in life like a normal human being. I mean, sometimes some of these things that uh, people have gotten in trouble for are so minor and so little, but it hinders their life and it can actually affect their life for the rest of their lives. I mean, it can change the direction of their life where it even goes. I mean, for example, imagine being an 18-year-old and you're leaving a party and you just dropped all your friends off and you get pulled over on your way home. And a police officer says, you have any drugs or alcohol in the car? And you say no, but maybe he smells something and he wants to do a search and he does a search. Well, in that back seat in the side pocket or the holder, you know, on the door or something or even just fell out of their pocket, someone else might have even left something in the car and now they are in trouble for that. Um, yeah, granted, now sometimes in courts you can fight those kind of things and you can explain your case, and, but a lot of times that doesn't happen. And let's just say that something like that would even happen. I mean, and now it's something that's legal and you have no intent of even getting a medical marijuana card. But you have something on your record and you've never even smoked pot or anything. You'd like to get something like that taken off. And, and that's where the one would probably come into effect. But let's say you have multiple offenses. Let's say that did happen back when you were 18. But now you're 20 years old or 25 years old and you're a grown adult. You pay your taxes. You do your things. But now you're arrested again or you're pulled over and they can smell it. And you have your own in your car non-criminal offense, something like that. I'd like to see that to be able to be expunged. I mean, that medical marijuana license card is not, you know, a, a, a free get out of jail free card or anything like that. But I just think that we have to use some common sense as we legalize certain things. Um, alcohol, you know, things like that back in prohibition days. I mean, same thing. People were being arrested and imprisoned for running alcohol and having alcohol. But then as soon as prohibition ended, they just let them all out. And in a way, I kind of see that's how this this should happen with that. Yeah, and, and so you said nonviolent. Those are the offenses that would be up for expungement. So it would mainly be possession. Correct. Correct. Yes. No, there was no no harm, no intent. No, you know, they're not. You know, some of them were even arrested for selling it, you know, because they may have had a couple of bags in there and they can say that it was it was um, one of the, I guess, baggied for distribution for sale because it was split up. And so sometimes they even get arrested for that. And so even that offense there, it's really a nonviolent criminal offense. I think something like that should be even expunged. How far back could these charges go in still be up for expungement? Is it pretty much infinite? I would say go all the way back as, po as far as possible, to tell you the truth. And, and right now you said this is only for, for holders of medical marijuana cards? Yeah, that's just a piece of legislation that I had filed for the medical marijuana holder, correct? Yeah, and for now, you know, could you, could you see maybe other charges being included or grandfathered in if, if the laws were to change? I could, yeah, easily. I mean, this is, this is a whole new realm for us, especially in the state of Missouri. I mean, this is the first time we've ever had to, to dab, uh, no, no pun intended, but dab into the uh, cannabis industry, you know, and we... When uh, the initiative petition brought forth the medical marijuana side of it, we were stuck with it. Um, it wasn't anything the legislature did. So then, of course, the state has to figure out how to comply with it. And that's what I think we're doing now. So finally, House Bill 2704, which is the Cannabis Freedom Act. I'd love for you to break down this omnibus bill. What are the different parts to it? There's a lot of parts to this one. OK, but this is an omnibus bill that... There's, this is years in making, okay? I've been working on this one for a couple of years and with different members throughout the body as well. And we've been actually testing the waters in the legislature. We have been pushing pieces of legislation individually, okay? And what I mean by that is what we just discussed, pieces of legislation that I have filed. Well, those same pieces of legislation actually fall into this big bill that we're talking about, the Cannabis Freedom Act, okay? So what I did there is through the years, we have been looking into this. Not just myself, but other members of the body on the, the House side and on the Senate side and on both sides of the aisle. Democrats, Republicans, independents, it doesn't matter. This issue is very large in this state and it's here. It's coming whether we want it or not. So I think we should regulate it. 
Let's regulate it so that we can control it for the state and do what's right. This way we don't end up hurting anybody. Yeah, so this bill, you know, it legalizes marijuana, you know, even on a recreational use that includes your expungement. Is there anything else kind of major in it that you're like particularly excited about? This thing is filled with criminal justice reform. And that's what I'm excited about. That's what excites me the most about this legislation. The criminal justice reform side of it, and 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 I hate to I hate to say this and do this. I know some of the individuals that are running the initiative petition, but the initiative petition is not what we need. The initiative petition can't be fixed. The initiative petition gives us what we get right then and there, and that's it. We can't add nor subtract. So uh, you've filed marijuana legislation before. You know, what drives you to continue to file these bills to create something like this? Well, first off, I'm not a big drinker, okay? I don't drink alcohol. A lot of people drink alcohol. That's their thing of choice. I mean, even, even here, you can go out in the evening times and you can see people conversing over alcohol and things like that. And there's not a lot of things for people to do that, like me. We don't drink alcohol. And if you want to choose to uh, smoke marijuana, well, then you're actually breaking the law. And so I, I felt we needed another option. And I grew up on the West Coast. And I'm going to be honest with you. As a young man, I smoked pot. I was a surfer. I smoked pot. I did this and that. But, you know, everyone kept telling me I was going to end up being a loser. I'd be in a ditch. I'd be a drug addict. I'd be in prison and all these things because of the way I was raised and because of some of the things that I did. That's not the case. Okay, we still make up our own minds. Yeah, there are people out there that, that have the tendencies to be able to be addicted to certain things. Matter of fact, I think everyone has that tendency to be addicted to something. But some things are a lot easier than others. And when it comes to, to marijuana, I don't see it being an addictive. I wasn't addicted to it. I could quit any time I wanted, and I did. And it never was a gateway to other drugs for me either. Um, matter of fact, I want to bring that up. You know, they say that marijuana is a gateway to drugs. I don't think so. I think some of the other things we've legalized would be the gateway to drugs. Alcohol, for one. How about mom and dad's medicine cabinet? How many illegal drugs are actually in there that are legally given, though, through a prescription? But they're illegal if you had them in your purse because they have our names on them. You know, things like that. But we have so many different illnesses. Um, let's talk about PTSD and our veterans and our law enforcement and our fire, fire officials, things like that, you know. Marijuana is something we could treat them without chemically based um, pills. I, I've known members of the military that have been on PTSD drugs that have totally changed them. You would, you would not even believe the person they became from the drugs they had to take from PTSD. They're like down all the time and things like that. They're not that upbeat citizen that you'd see out, you know, just running a normal life. That, and it changed them. And then when I saw what happened when they switched over to cannabis because it became legal in their states, I mean, a 360-degree turn all the way around. They were right back to that same person they used to be. I know some of them that uh, saved marriages. Um, some of them were in the, the suicide range and no longer in that area. So there's just a number of reasons, I think. And with the way that we've pretty much abolished cannabis in the United States, we haven't been able to study it the way we could have and should have. I mean, back when it was legal, I think we were making some progress, and then all of a sudden it was just shut out. And I see us making progress now in other states. Look at some of the things they're using this for now. I mean, we've had hearings and, and seen children come into our committee hearings that were having upwards of two, three hundred, and I mean two, three hundred seizures in a month. And now all of a sudden, not even having one in a month. Maybe it's one, two, three a year sometimes. I mean, it's not a cure-all for everybody. It's not going to fix everyone's issues or problems, but it gives another alternative to some people on the medical side of it. On the, and on the, the legalization side, um, just so you know, I do have it set at 21 years of age, like we do the uh, alcohol side of that. Well, for one, I want you out of college. I want your brain developed, things like that. I want you to, you know, 
get going and people say, well, why do you say that? Is it because it, that it's going to affect them and this and that? It's just, no, I don't think it affects them one way or the other. I just think we need to focus on other things while we're at that age in life. Let's establish ourselves first and then you can go do whatever you want that some people in society may not seem fit. But I don't, I don't feel that uh, the legalization of marijuana is something that we should be afraid of. I really don't. There's a lot of other states that have done it right now. We didn't see the crash and the things that people were saying were going to happen. I mean, some places you see a little bit more homeless and this and that, but I think that's because of the way the industries were rolled out, too, in some of it. A lot of people had big hopes and dreams of getting into this industry, and I think those hopes and dreams crashed to, to the ground pretty fast. So far, you know, none of these bills have yet to have a committee hearing. We're two months in. Are you worried at all about a lack of momentum at this point? Well, actually, I, I'm, I'm not too worried. Uh, when, we're in, when we're in a bottleneck kind of like we are, where you have the, the, the Senate stalled and the House is doing the work, we're going to try to do the things that we do think are important. And those are the things that you're going to probably see c come across the line first. Now, I only filed this bill a couple weeks ago. And we have our hearing next Tuesday. We're going to have a hearing next Tuesday morning. So I, 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 I see this one as one of those two, though. That's kind of, I wouldn't say it's necessarily on the fast track, but I can see that it's needed in this state. And I think I can see that uh, other people in leadership and in the body are seeing that as well. The, the outpouring I have from other members coming to me about this legislation is unreal. I mean, even people that I would have never thought would come to me and be like, this is what we need to do. This is how it should have been done. This is a great idea. If you look at the co-sponsors on here, I think there's upwards of like 15 to 20 co-sponsors on here. And there are people in leadership on here and there are individuals that co-sponsored it on both sides of the aisle that I never even thought would. And it's just amazing to me. I love the outpouring and I love all the input that they're giving. This isn't me doing it. And that's the best part about this. This is a piece of legislation that I might be handling, but this is a wide variety of members of the body, Democrats, Republicans, senators, and House members. So it, it's, to me, it's, it's my star right now this year, to be honest with you. I wish we could have done it as, I wished it could have been my, um, my uh, domestic violence could have been my star this year, but I think that just got watered down so much by a certain group that there's no chance for that. But I think this here would be a good start. Um, it's got a lot of attention. I've got a lot of rapport from both sides of the building on it. Um, I've got a lot of reporters like yourself. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's been unreal, the outpouring. And the best part about it is, is I thought it was going to be one of those things where I was going to get, as I like to say, hammered on a lot about and I am, but it's all in a good note. It's all been a, an upbeat. It's not really been in a negative side of it. And that's why another reason why I think this is time. I think it's time that Missouri does something about it. I mean, we are the show me state and we got all the other states showing us right now, but I want to show them how to do it. I want to show them like what we've done with other states. We've taken their legislation and thrown things out that's not working. We take the bad out and just keep the good. I've been working with uh, a gentleman from um, Oklahoma a representative out of Oklahoma, he's been working with me on this bill because he is just absolutely beside himself on the way that their industry rolled out. And I can understand that, too. Um, it's just running rampant and free out there on their streets, and he'd like to see some regulation. And so he's helping me so that we don't have that happen in our state. Because, of course, a lot of people are pointing their finger at this legislation from the initiative petition. They're pointing their finger at this legislation saying this is what's going to make our state like Oklahoma. And we're actually doing the exact opposite with this. We took pieces of Oklahoma and advice from Oklahoma on what not to do. And that's one of the things that I want to point out when I'm using other states is I'm taking the things that are working, not the things that aren't.
something that does make this year different is this initiative petition on legalizing marijuana, you know, that could be on the November ballot. You know, so do you think that having this petition in the wings, so to speak, you know, is motivating the legislature to pass something this year to get ahead of it? Oh, I would say it helps. Definitely. I mean, it was coming. I was going to do this no matter what. The initiative petition process on it, I think, is just helping me. And not not necessarily helping me to pass this legislation, but it is definitely helping me to get a light shined on this legislation. I mean, I'll be honest, they're doing it too themselves for me. And so I just I'm kind of just sitting back and <laughs> letting everyone come to me in the support that's that I'm receiving. I, I, I haven't had anyone come up to me in the in the building yet saying this is a dumb idea. Don't do this. Even representatives that want nothing to do with the legalization of marijuana are coming to me now and asking me questions on this. Because they see it coming, but they do see that we need to regulate it somehow. Yeah, so you think there is kind of this, well, if we don't do it now, it's going to happen whether we like it or not. So we should be the ones to do it. Oh, I could definitely see that, especially with the initiative petition process. We've already proved that. Okay, we proved that with the medical marijuana side of it. I think it was 2014, all this framework started, and we did nothing about it in the legislature. I'll take the blame for that. I mean, I was in the body in 2014. Legislature has not acted on this swiftly enough and in time. So now we are... We're here now. We're, we're at the crunch line right now. We're either getting this or we're getting an initiative petition. And that's going to be up to the state of Missouri to decide. I'm ho- and I'm hopeful that our legislature is going to put this in front of the state of Missouri instead of an initiative petition. Because if this was to pass, it would pass before the initiative petition could. You know, and the House is one thing. You know, the other thing is the Senate. Do you see with having some of this Senate language in there, too, do you see it getting enough momentum to, to pass I the could other see, chamber? I could see it getting uh, momentum in the Senate. The Senate... The Senate is just like we are. They, they know this is coming, and we're going to have to regulate this somehow. Otherwise, we're going to be stuck. And so I can see a lot of the members of the Senate I've actually been talking with for the last few weeks, three weeks, actually. Um, a couple of them in the beginning were in reserves, and now they've come back to me and been like, hey, I understand. I see now what you're talking about. And so I can, I can see us having a little bit of a path in the Senate, too. I'm still working on that avenue, but, yes, I could see a path in the Senate, at least for it to be talked about. To change subjects, we're kind of in the last little bit of the show. You know, what are some other bills that you filed, ones that maybe you see getting past the finish line, or just things that you're wanting to accomplish before well, before your last year? In my last year, I've tried to take on a lot of criminal justice reform type things like that. And so I have a restitution bill. And I, and I want to thank the Speaker's office and our leadership for allowing me to push that bill. And what that does, okay, so... We've incarcerated individuals, and not just our state, in every state in the United States, and I'm sure other countries have still done the same. We incarcerate individuals that are innocent, okay? And then later on, we exonerate them through DNA evidence or findings in the court proceedings. And we've literally just released them in the state of Missouri. So imagine being locked up away from your family. You're going to serve a 50-year sentence, and you've already been away for 20 years. And you've been pleading your innocence this whole time. And all of a sudden, you are innocent. We've, we've proven that you are innocent, and we, re- we release you. That's just it, the silence. We released you. We took away your family for 20 years. We took away everything you knew, your job, your career, your life, pretty much. And now we're releasing you right back out into society with no help. We treat our parolees better than we do our exonerees. So I have filed legislation that would allow them to have some peace of mind, to try to make them whole again. We'd never make someone whole again after taking their life away like that, especially when they were innocent. And so I have proposed some legislation that would give $36,000 a year to that individual for every year that they served in prison. 
And then I'm going to try to add an amendment to that that would also open up a couple of other areas. I'd like to put an amendment on there that would open up services. You heard me say the parolees are treated better than exonerees. I'd like to open up those services. We let them out. They have no services to their to their needs. I mean, they don't know how to finance, financially, they don't know how to balance their checkbook. I mean, they may have before they came in, but 20 years, the world's changed a lot in 20 years. Uh, finding a job, finding a home, reconnecting with your family, maybe finding some type of mental, mental health, you probably have mental health issues and you're going to need some type of help on that area. I mean, there's just all kinds of things. So I, I, I would like to see that piece of legislation cross the line. I really would. That's a great piece of legislation. I've been working quite a bit in criminal justice reform type things. Anything else kind of at the end of your term and your time here in the House? Well, no, I mean, it's just it's it's surreal moment because this is my last year and I've made so many friends up here and I've you know, I'm, I'm turned 50 in May this year and I've spent the last 10 years of my life in this body pretty much. Even though I sat out the two years, I was still part of it, you know. It's it's a job that I've enjoyed and I love. I've, I've done quite a few different things in my life in, in many different aspects of life, too. This is the one job that I'm leaving where I'm going to miss the people and the job. You know, a lot of times you miss the people when you leave a job and not necessarily the job. And that's why you left it most of the time. But I'm going to miss both on this. This has been a great experience in my life, and I'd really just like to thank Missouri for it. It has been a wonderful time in my life, and I owe it to Missouri. That's all the time we have. Thank you so much, Representative Hicks, for joining me here in our Jefferson City office. Politically Speaking is a product of St. Louis Public Radio, which is a part of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. You can follow me on Twitter at Sarah K. Kellogg. That's two L's, two G's. Representative Hicks, where can people find you on the Internet where you want to be found? Well, of course, you can always find me on Facebook. I do have a private account, and then I also have my Facebook uh, um, state rep account. But I'm also on Twitter at RNHCKS which is just my name, Ron Hicks, no vowels. Um, I look forward to adding you on or following you myself. All right, until next time, so long.